What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. We're going to do that today by letting you get to know the candidates. So Katie and Kathy are joining us, but I'm also being joined by Chad and Kevin from Candid AT Podcast. And so if you've listened to them at all, you know that they have a unique style. It's completely different than what I do here, uh, but they, they're just funny guys. They have fun things. And so it's going to be a fun time to look at the candidates completely different than what what we would do if we're just getting to know the normal uh what is your platform kind of questions and so i'm excited about this it's gonna be fun uh join in if you have you know a question on facebook live then i'll try and get that in but uh, i can imagine that we're gonna be running short on time here as it is so again this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash candid candidates again sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash candid candidates so if you can join the conversation we'd love it if not then get to know katie and kathy uh and so without much further ado chad and kevin want you guys take it away let's get right to it sure. thanks jeremy for the uh the intro and you know i guess we are unique that's a, a nice way of saying it so <laughs> katie and kathy thanks for for joining us today um I, we're gonna start with a a real easy question for you okay so if you've listened to our show we're we're known for a few different things, our segments. One of them is our fictional athletic trainer debate. So we're going to start with a fictional athletic trainer question for you. And we're going to ask you why your undergraduate mascot would make the best athletic trainer. So we have, what, a longhorn and a beaver, beaver I think. right? Yes. Okay, so yes. why would your mascot make the best athletic trainer? Go. Uh, yeah, Katie, you're on our left Either here, one. left to right. So go ahead, Katie. Uh, it's simple. Uh, first of all, the beaver is a very, very versatile animal. It's a great mascot. It's ferocious. For the most part, it's just very chill and adaptable. Works in great with the environment. You don't even know it's there. And then if you anger it, it goes bat crazy. It can also take something out of nothing and make a phenomenal home to lure other beavers there. Um, it can eat almost anything and everything it leaves behind is better. But again, you don't see the beaver. It's under the water. It's very quiet. It hides until you need it. Wow. Strong play there because she mentioned food. Yeah. She said it'll eat anything just like an athlete. Do you have any any actual personal interaction with some beavers? Uh, I used to mountain bike quite a bit. So we would see them and they would just, you know, you'd ride by and they'd look up and kind of sup. And then it, they were very non-threatened by pretty much anything, which is great if you're dealing with a coach, right? Not much rattle them. They don't run and hide. They're like my ground. Watching, just watching, so, stepping in when they need to. Yep. About- and then they the tail, you know, the tail is a warning. So when they okay. flap the water, that's like all balls off deck, all everything just that's a warning. And so I think there's a lot of ways that an athletic trainer could be like my first mascot. Okay. I like it. I like it. Strong, strong argument. All right. And how about the longhorn? Longhorn. Kathy. Well, the, the longhorn is a magnanimous animal. Um, it's very quiet. It's very slow moving, but when it, when it rears its head, people pay attention. Um, it, uh, a longhorn is one of the most graceful, large animals I've ever seen, but 
don't get in the way of the horns. If, if you do something wrong and you aren't following, yes, sir, you aren't following the rules of, of the athletic trainer. So I think it's a quiet, very quiet presence, but becomes very loud when it needs to become loud. So would make a great athletic trainer, absolutely. In the background for a little bit, and then when something happens, it comes through. Absolutely. What about um, like rehab, treatments, eval? Is there gonna be a specialty? Yeah. Is there something that we're really gonna excel at? Kathy, why don't you go first on this sure. one? And Is then we'll go back. Rehab specialty for a longhorn. Wow. Um, um, think rehab emergency situations maybe your hands-on skills maybe the administrative skills yeah what's the what's they're gonna what they personality gonna yeah if, if you got to give them one thing that they're the best at what would you, what would you say hmm. i i would say administration because they're quiet and contemplative and they're problem solving um, because of their quietness and and stoicness so i would say administrative um, for a longhorn. Okay. All right. How about the beavers? And I would, I would, I must've been channeling uh, each other's brain. Cause that's the first thing that came to mind, but I won't uh, duplicate. I would say, um, in terms of being a team player, you know, the, the beaver just quietly gets things done. But when you look back, the little bit of things that that busy as a beaver is doing under the radar becomes pretty amazing and pretty defensible. Uh, so they just work hard under the radar, get things done, and don't want a lot of attention. I'll say that. I'm not going to lie. You both made way better arguments for your mascots than I thought you could. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready for president. It's Come in on. Your heart. It's in your heart when you're talking about our mascots. Jeremy, we're going to put you on the spot. Let's go, Jeremy. Pick one. Oh. Oh, oh I'm the judge here. Judge. <laughs> well, I don't know if that is that really fair. I mean, obviously, I'm going to pick the Longhorn. I'm from Houston. Yes, sir. I, I grew up like wanting to go to UT, so how can I not pick a Longhorn? It's a respect thing. I understand that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Okay. So one of the other segments that we do, it's called F Mary Kill. Okay. So it's basically just to try to give you a really hard decision to make. Okay. All right. So you understand the rules of the game? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I think it goes along with a lot of what's going on in athletic training right now. I think there's a lot of uh, talk about CEUs, right? And how we're going to get our CEUs and where we get them and what's going to be the access. So what I want to start with is we're going to go EBPs, category B, and then category D CEUs. So you have to F1, marry one, kill one. Who goes first? Uh, Kathy, go first. Let's go, go Kathy. Category B, category D. And EBP. And EBPs. Mm -hmm. Well, I would have to say, um, Wow. I'm trying to remember what's in the different categories, I have to say. Um, so category B, right, is the um, category D is any anything that's not an accredited 
like provider, right? Right. But right. it had with athletic training. But it's out there. Category B was giving lecture or uh, talks, presentations, okay. things like that. Yeah. And then these are everyone's favorite, evidence-based. <laughs> yes. And I, so I would, I heart. would kill category D. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to come back to why in a minute. Sure, uh, no problem. I would marry EBPs because I think that is a lifelong commitment to learning. And for us to grow as a profession, um, we have to be committed to getting better every day and doing it based on what's out there in the evidence. And I would F uh, lecturing the category B because having done a ton of lectures, it's a rush. And it's about, it's about sharing that knowledge and it's about getting in that rhythm and, and doing everything you can to impart your knowledge. Um, so those two reasons for EBPs and Bs is why my least favorite then would be the D. I think while it's important, um, I, I want it to be applicable and pertinent to athletic training and make it a part of my everyday professional life. So that's that's my choices. Great, great. Katie? Katie? Great job, Kathy. Um, similar, um, it's sort of unfair. My, my I'm a professor, right? So I lecture, my, ask my husband, I lecture all the time. I <laughs> write papers, and when you write papers or when you do a presentation at a, at a professional meeting, you get those categories. Uh, you write a book, you get more. So um, those, I would say F, because I, I do them all the time. Um, in terms of Mary, absolutely evidence-based, push the profession forward. I would kill the Ds because those are, to me, um, people that are struggling at the end and they say they can't find good talks. Uh, and so they're just scrambling to get credit for something. And if we're going to keep moving forward, like Kathy said, if we're going to keep getting better and better, we have to challenge ourselves. And EBP is a way to do that. All right. All right. Fair enough. Very fair. So I know okay. I said I was going to kind of let you guys run, but it is really funny hearing, hearing our potential presidents talk about what they're going to FMK. I know, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't think I'm really seeing on the screen, but it's really like I'm just over here laughing because it's really funny just like hearing you guys chat and Kevin is one thing, but hearing Kathy and Katie talking, talking about this, it's, it's just, yeah, it's completely but, different. But Jeremy, you didn't have to defend the beaver. So I have a feeling there's going to be some sound bites somewhere that, that are going to be out there when I'm sounding all serious. That's out of context. It's all good. The things that Kathy and I were doing for the members, seriously. Absolutely. You have to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit. Just a little what athletic training is about, right? Yeah. Being yeah, uncomfortable. That's right. Okay, so what we have next, uh, uh, what do you, well, and we'll start with you, Katie, this time. Uh, what are you gonna miss most about the NATA convention that you're not being uh, in person? Oh, they just stabbed me in the heart. Um, the people. I, I've missed one convention in my life, two. One was in Seattle and I didn't have the money to get there from the Midwest. Um, and the other one is my mother-in-law passed away and it was a little indelicate to 
skip the funeral, right? To go to the NATA to see everybody. Um, bar none, the people, the, the people that are speaking, the people that you sit in the audience with, the people around you that tell you to stop talking so they can listen to the speaker, the, um, Socials, I mean, I've been in four districts, so there's a lot of socials I've got to go to. Um, I graduated from three universities. I've taught it more than that. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people I'm going to miss. And the NATA does such a phenomenal job about packing it in. And I tell, I tell young people all the time. So if you're rolling at two or three in the morning and you're up at seven and dressed appropriately and wide-eyed and in the EVPs, that's how you convention. That's it. You don't just roll in at one in the afternoon because you were up too late. You have to go to the sessions, et cetera. Um, so the, the NATA does an amazing job of putting all that together and allowing all those things to happen. But in every breath of my fiber, the people. Yes. Love it. Love it. Okay. Kathy? Energy. And that comes from so many different parts of the NATA convention. A lot of it, as Katie has mentioned, is relationships. Um, yes, the alumni parties. Yes, the social activities. There is nothing more energizing than to be sitting in the audience and see the curtain go up on the Hall of Fame ceremony or, or to hear the keynote speaker. The energy that's in the room for those and, and for, yes, for lectures, um, the energy I get from the relationships with the people that I get to see, the things I get to learn. There's two main events that happen for the NATA that I walk out exhausted because I'm so energized and so empowered by what I've heard and what I've seen and what I've experienced. One of those is the NATA annual meeting. The other is JCM, where it's just people and ideas and and we're all trying to move the profession forward at the same time. And it's just energizing. And it gets you on a high that I, for me lasts a few weeks at least while, while I'm processing everything that I've just experienced. But it's the energy and the empowerment from that experience that gets me the most. Love it. Um, we, I, have you ever been to NATA before last year? So both of us, it was our first NATA last year. Oh, wow. Uh, and I I never could go. I was always in professional baseball. And so it was always in the summer, so I, I could never attend. Um, but I I actually agree with both of you in that I, I left that place, one, meeting more people in a span of four or five days than I've ever met in my life. And then two, feeling particularly like, about the podcast i mean that was one of the major reasons we went is because jeremy invited us down and mm -hmm. i mean was so excited to like enter this new part of athletic training that we we were doing as a podcast and so that's good i i, I like both your answers it's pretty awesome 100 yeah um so another thing that we often do on the podcast and I, cause everybody loves a really good list of, you know, whether it's the top 10, you know, greatest, I don't know, basketball players of all time or what have you. Um, we often do something called a Mount Rushmore, right? And so we will make a Mount Rushmore of who knows your, your favorite comic book characters or the best comic book characters or something. 
but we wanted to challenge you a little bit. Um, kind of speaking to some of our audience in that we have a lot of athletic training students that follow us. And I think from the two of you having so much experience in athletic training, not only from the clinical side, but then also getting into business and now like really high in the administrative roles and now trying to be the president of our association. Um, I would like you to give us your Mount Rushmore. So the four things that you would advise or the four, the four things that you feel young professionals just graduating, just getting certified, um, the issues they're going to face right out of that certification process that you think, you know what, I wish somebody would have told me about this, or I wish I would have been a little more prepared about this. Um, what do you think those four biggest issues for a young professional is or are, sorry, bad English. <laughs> um, we'll go. How about Kathy? Kathy start. Um, Four issues facing a newly graduated young professional. My understanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So first I would say, um, give yourself a break. You're not going to know everything on that first day walking into that new job. Um, learn what you can do what you can. You're not going to get everything done in that first day. So that would be the first thing. Um, interprofessional communication is the most important part of your job. And that's you and the athlete, you and your administrator, you and your coaches, you and your boss, you and your, um, you and your school board president, whatever that is, interprofessional communication. Continue to learn, no matter. Continue to learn, you don't know everything. And I still, none of us know everything. And we have to continue to be open to education and finally, advocacy and showing your value is the most important thing you can do. And as a young professional, I know that's difficult because there's so many things going on as a young professional, but if you can do the smallest thing to advocate and show your value early, it'll make your professional life so much easier as you go along. So those, those are my four. I would say um, make sure that you're doing everything you can to follow your contract. And, and I mean it in this way. If you are in a contract where you're putting 20 hours at the high school, don't stay and help out and do 30 and 40. That leads to burnout and it leads to failure for the person who comes behind you. So if it's overwhelming, sit down with your administrator, who I hope is a medical professional, and say, I've got seven home events three or at the same time, what do you want me to cover? And, and so your contract is the beginning of so many good and so many bad things. Because if you don't follow it, then you have life balances, you're stressed out, it's job satisfaction. So that's number one. Um, secondly, policies. There are so many um, tools on the NATA webpages about what are best practices for everything from you know, lightning to heat illness, to return to play from concussions, make sure you have those and that you have them and you follow them because then you're treating everyone the same. If you have a policy and you deviate from it, you're setting yourself up for all sorts of problems. So 
it's a pain in the tush, but look at your leadership and management or your organ ad class. And those faculty were teaching you things that you're going to use. Um, third, you are enough. You are well-trained. You know what you're doing. Stand your ground. So when I say you are enough, I mean, there should be no other human being besides a physician that tells you, you don't know your stuff. So when you're explaining that they can't go because of a concussion, stand your ground, you know more, you were well-trained. So it's a matter of that. Um, you are enough, you are well-trained, but also keep learning. And the last thing, um, cause since I can only pick four, I'm putting mentor over data, although I love data. Um, find, find a mentor and that mentor could literally be someone who is 20 years older or a six months older or has been in that same setting or somebody that you can call and say, what do I do if, and that person will lift you and raise you and help you keep your policies, keep your, you are enough, keep your balance, keep your contract. Yeah. Actually, the, the contract one is really, that's huge. Um, that's well, something I did learn right away. Um, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I worked way too much when I was uh, a new grad. And right, because you want to prove your worth. You're so excited. I still do it to yeah, this day. Yeah, <laughs> still, still working too much, right? Um, I think it's, I, I will say, um, I don't know if you want to put it on the docket of something. I mean, an issue that, has come up with some of our like athletic training students that follow us is that how do you how do you negotiate a contract and oh. how do you go into uh, talking to your administration or this new job and you're just excited you got a job right um, mm -hmm. how do you go about you know negotiating time for yourself and salary and I mean everything that goes in with that um, I think that's a real issue with new grads, new certifieds that, um, unfortunately you can't, you can't learn a lot about it until you actually sit down in front of somebody and actually negotiate it. So I think, um, going forward, that's, that's going to be a really big one. I, I tell new grads that they get one shot to pick, just have a job. And after that, they have to be mindful. So everyone gets that one shot and that's understandable. But then, then after that, if you're still choosing those bad things, that's on you. Sorry, yeah. Kathy. No, it's okay. I, and I agree with you. I, I think we do a great job with our students teaching them how to write a resume and how to do an interview, but we don't, we don't do as, as good a job teaching them how to have those hard conversations about money and about hours and about, and that is just the next step that we, we need to start including so they can have those conversations. We've been We've been taught throughout our professional, um, our professional lives in athletic training that our salaries are set. If you're in an athletic situation, you know, your salary is this and, and your stipend is this on top of it. And that's all we can do. And we just accept it and go on. But yet we're starting to see our strength coaches and our coaches negotiating higher salaries. So we just need to get out of that mindset of what they tell us is the way it is and say, no, I'm a healthcare provider. I, de I deserve more. And that needs, we'll start adding that into our education so we can do a better job with that. Love it. Yeah. And, and continuing with that, our, our young professionals, we, we have, I just got off of a um, practice advancement uh, committee call 
right before this, before my computer broke. And they have different segments of the population. And one of them is entrepreneurship, uh, where they're trying to build materials for everybody. And so our suggestion was how to read a contract, how to negotiate. Their cell phone should be paid for. Their membership due should be paid for. But the answer is no until you ask. And, and that first job, people are just, I have a job. And that, that's your one. And then after that, you start getting more savvy. So I think we need to have either, I can't remember which one. One of you, either Chad or Kevin, your mom is a contract negotiator. So, so next up, we have a podcast with, with uh, Chad's mom, right? <laughs> Nice. Uh, director of personnel for a school district. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what uh, the take home that I, it's, it's such a fine line between wanting to do, do such a good job and prove your value and then just going too far and being taken advantage of. It's, how do you teach that? It's, it's really incredible. So. Burnout. Uh. And I, I think that it's a, it's an avenue for us to start showing what our worth is. Right. And that, we aren't, we're, we aren't, we don't take our jobs lightly. So please don't take our, our contract lightly. Right. And so I, I love it. I love that. That is even a thought that's going to go into an education process now. Yes. It's, so, it's so good. All right. All right. Next up. Uh, and we'll start, I think we're back to Katie going first here. Um, how, how are you going to best get your objectives communicated to people? Like how are you most comfortable communicating or what resources do you want to you know, take advantage of and getting what you want the profession to be going forward. Well, we've been very fortunate. And if I, I'm trying to say I hear this right, what I think my goals, what my goals are, if I were to be president, you mean, is that what you're It's asking? just that and like, what's, what, how do you get them communicated to the people? Like, what's the best way to reach everybody? Um, I think the NATA is doing an amazing job because both Kathy and I have been afforded a tremendous amount of exposure through NATA news. I mean, every single issue since February, we've been in it and we've already turned in our, our June stuff. They have um, another opportunity for us to speak with each other next week. Um, and I think something that we're both doing that is very, very clever is we are really trying to be responsive to the people. So if a segment um, that is an organ, let's say ethnic diversity committee for the NATA, they have to ask permission from the NATA so they can interview us so that it's a very specific back and forth like you've done. Ask the same questions. Because if you don't do that, you could have one candidate look terrible or one candidate get the questions. And so using the NATA platform is really the, the best fare for both of us. But we also wanna make sure that people have access. I mean, there's people that don't do Instagram that people that don't do Twitter and don't do Facebook. Um, there's people that will read the magazines. So for me, I, I work with, for the last 40 years, 17 to 23 year old kids that are growing up and graduating. So I want to basically be able to reach them and they don't do Facebook. Um, so anything that, that if people want to reach out to us, whatever the platform is, I think we're trying and we're doing a pretty good job. And I think the NADA is doing a really outstanding job compared to any of the presidents that have gone before us. I agree. I think the answer here is is diversity. Um, we have to be um, we have to acknowledge that everybody, all all forty seven thousand members communicate differently. Some people 
love the NATA news and some people don't. They don't want to read anymore. They want they want to get their information through social media or they want to get their information um, through a podcast or or through a face to, uh, a FaceTime live. So I think being um, being cognizant of those differences and trying to reach out on all the different mediums is the most important thing. Um, and yes, all of the mediums are different based on your age group, right? Some people um, gravitate to certain types. So I think being aware of that and making sure that the messaging is going out, we're not sure what's going to happen in June, but, but we are told there is a media plan and there's going to be even more media events and they're going to be even more diverse than what we've seen so far. So I think the NATA is responsive to that. Um, so our messaging will continue through all of those different diverse platforms and, and trying to communicate in whatever way we can to reach those people. I, I still believe that the most effective way of communication is face-to-face -face or a phone call because then it's an undivided attention to that particular person um, that you're able to talk with. But being, um, you know, what we do best, respond and react, however people want to communicate, I think is the way that we need to communicate as a profession. And that's what, what I'm dedicated to do if I'm elected. I like it. And I think, because um, it is, it, there's so much social media now in, it, right. It's so abundant in everything that we do uh, and not just athletic trainers, right? Everybody's lives. And so I think it's a really tricky river to float down, right? Because you're going to have to battle everything else when you really just want to get your voice heard from the NATA. Um, because I, I'll be very honest. I mean, ever since I've been an athletic training student and then till this day, I feel like I'm not up to like to the no uh, in like what's going on with the NATA. Um, and a large part of that is on me because I don't seek it out, but I would love there to be a little bit more in your face of like, this is what the NATA is and this is what we're doing. And I don't really know the answer to like how to make that happen. So I hopefully one of you do. Um, but I, I think it's something that's been, unfortunately missing to be an advocate of, you know what, I don't want to explain to everybody what an athletic trainer is anymore, as much as I love explaining my career. Um, but I think if we if we could get out there a little bit more um, and have people know what we are and what we do and the policies that we're working on and getting, you know, certain states licensed and real matters, I think are, are huge. Um, so yeah, and so I, I think going into that social media, there are a new, there are numerous accounts of these anonymous athletic trainers, um, and it, it came across to us, you know, there, there's people that are using that as their voice. They they want somebody else to use that as their voice. I kind of just I want to know both of your opinions on the dangers of some social media, the benefits, um, where you would like it to go. I mean. We try to be, I mean, legitimately we call the candid athletic training for a reason because we want, we don't want to hide behind anonymous. We want people to know what we think. Um, and we get a lot of feedback from that. That's very positive. So, um, yeah, take, I mean, take it away of, you know, social media and where you think it's going, what you don't like about it and so forth. We can go, we'll go 
Katie first. Um, I did not join Twitter until three years ago. I mean, everyone wanted me to, but I just, you know. So when I first got in the boardroom, Mark Coberly from Iowa State pulled me aside and said, yeah, girlfriend, here's how this works. Um, and so that's my platform as an athletic trainer. And if you follow me at all on Twitter, it's nearly always positive. It's, it's nearly always informing or praising or pointing out something positive or um, real. And, and there's pictures of me with my cap and my regalia on with my students. And there's pictures of me in the monsoon rain with my students on the field because I am an athletic trainer as well as professor. And so that's been a, a, a good thing for me. Um, I, I've just, just got over a thousand followers. I was quite happy about that. Um, but I also use, thank you. I also use um, Facebook similarly where it's um, positive and, and it's all the different cool, crazy things. One of my best friends is happens to be a state trooper for the state of Maryland, happens to be a paramedic, but first and foremost, he's an athletic trainer. So he flies helicopters or rides in them and, and does a really cool job. So whenever I hear about really cool jobs, I want to put them on social media. I don't use Instagram as much personally because I feel I'm very restricted on that. Um, and it's probably because I'm old, right? But, you know, I'm not using Periscope or any of those other things that are out there, but those are the, the three that I, I primarily use. And I think it's a very powerful thing to put a good voice out. I think it's an absolute cop-out um, when you hide behind the black bar or whatever, and you just lob steak bombs and um, just pardon the language, but grow a pair, stand up in front, say who you are and own it. I've, I've said some pretty ridiculous things in error probably some not in error, but I just own it. I'm human, got it? My, my students know that, I'll make a mistake. But, but to, to hide behind the anonymity um, is inappropriate. And yes, on the flip side, I do follow them. Why? Because I wanna know what people are saying. You talk about getting out among people. I like going to where the people are and sitting down and say, tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you're thinking, tell me this. Um, and so by listening to what other people are saying, whether I agree or disagree, um, if I'm going to follow a far this side, I'm also going to follow a far the other side so that I'm more well-rounded. But the anonymity thing, it's just, it's inappropriate and it's wrong. And I, I'm mindful when I respond that I only respond if they are just out in left field and I call them out and say, here's the data, here's the thing. So I do that a lot, um, good, bad, or indifferent. So social media is powerful um, and it can be used for a lot of things. It also shows the human side of both Kathy and I. You know, here's who we are. Kathy. Kathy. Social media can be a really powerful tool to both listen and communicate your message. There's no two ways about it. All the, I think um, the hardest thing for me is keeping up with all of the platforms and making sure that that um, I'm, I'm speaking and listening to all the different demographics that might gravitate toward one platform or the other. Um, so it's, it can be incredibly powerful to reach a large number of people. I've been on social media for quite a while. So I've, I've gotten used to um, listening through social media and commenting through social media. Um, the, the, the handles that like anonymous AT, uh, I, 
it's really easy, and this is a societal thing, to anonymously complain about something um, and not put a face to the message. And, and I have to always ask, is your message really getting through if you're not putting a face to the message? So I, I do, I have concerns about people who anonymously post about things when, um, when they're, how can you get an answer to your question if you're not willing to own the question? At the same time, I always have felt like a leader, as a leader, that we learn the most from the people who aren't happy. And we have to give those people a voice somehow. And if they feel like when they use their voice, they're degraded or demoralized or marginalized, then we have to give them a different way to have a voice. And that might be through an anonymous post. So not knowing the motives of those people, I think is, is what makes me take a step back and say, okay, I'm not gonna demonize people, completely demonize people who post anonymously because I don't know their story. I don't, I don't know why they're doing that. Are they afraid of retribution? Are they afraid of, of being marginalized? So I try to take those posts with a grain of salt and say, okay, can I figure out what's really going on with this person? And, and maybe even at that point, encourage them, can you reach out to someone? Can you reach out and get your question answered and identify where this is coming from? So I've always tried to try, I've always tried to attempt to get that person's perspective with any kind of opinion that's thrown out there. Where is this coming from that you feel like you have to post it anonymously um, before, before I go down that road? Yes, sometimes it's just really griping about something and, and not wanting to own it. And I think, um, I think that's unfortunate that somebody feels they have to do that. But there are times where I think we need to try and figure out what's the story behind this that they don't feel like they can publicly ask this question and, and try to consider that as well. So can be very powerful. Can it sometimes really um, create issues? But it's here. Hey, it's here to stay, right? We're not we're not going to lose social media. So figuring out how to navigate those waters, I think, is the most important thing that we need to do. I think it speaks a lot to um, what both of you have really said earlier that maybe there's a better outlet for those comments or those problems that you're having, and maybe that's when you need to seek out that mentorship. That's when you need to seek out your coworkers and maybe there's somebody else that we can speak to versus just throwing random comments out there on social media. Right. I think it speaks to let's get with people and not just have um, your hashtags as your, you know, your voice. So I like it. Good. All right. Um, so we're going to talk about hats a little bit here. And I might end up just turning this into another F Mary kill segment. We'll see. So one thing that athletic trainers are really known for is wearing multiple hats and being able to do a lot of different things within the profession itself. It feels like we have your clinicians, your educators and researchers, and then your people that are involved in legislation. How do you, do you guys feel like, I know that the, the easy answer to this say is everyone's working together. Great. Do you feel like we can do a better job? Uh, or does it feel like fragmented at all to you? Um, or um, 
how do you see the, those three different kind of roles uh, within the profession playing out, I guess, going forward? Well, I think, I think there's a little bit of all of those in all of us. Um, I, I'm a clinician. I'm an educator. I think every athletic trainer really is an educator. But if you think of it as a true professional educator teaching collegiately, um, but I think all of us wear all three of those hats. I don't, there are a few that are truly, I, I'm a researcher, that's all I'm doing. I'm a clinician, that's all I'm doing. But we still pick up pieces from those, from those other areas. Um, I, I have heard that there is concern about fragmentation in our profession. But, but I actually heard it more in regard to settings than I did in terms of education, educators versus um, clinicians versus um, um, government legislators. Um, and and I, I'm, again, I look at perspectives. We all have certain things that are really important to us, but we're a family. And the core of our family is that we're athletic trainers and if we, if we work together to accomplish what we're trying to work, a rising tide raises all boats, right? So we need to be a little of everything in terms of those three categories, but in the end, come together, work together to move the profession forward. I, I, did I, I, I'm kind yeah. of feeling I didn't answer your question, but nope. I tried hard. Where it's at, and I think you did a good job. I'm, I'm the personification of hat wearing because yes, I'm a professor. Yes, I'm a researcher and yes, I'm an athletic trainer and I do all those every day, um, but, but I'm not quite the norm. And we, as much as we sort of poo poo as um, athletic trainers, the researcher that sits in the, in the lab or writes amazing papers and that's all that person does and still gets to be an athletic trainer, um, that person is valuable because the, the documentation that's coming out that help our practices is phenomenal. Um, yes, everyone's an educator. I, I did not want to get my doctorate. I, I did not want to teach. Um, circumstances flipped and I realized every day I'm teaching what ultrasound is. Every day I'm teaching exercises, so I'm educating. So I do believe that most athletic trainers are educators. When it comes to the legislation, I've been fortunate enough in two states to uh, be at the place where we and pounding the doors when we got our state legislation for Illinois and North Carolina, so yay. Um, but I also think it, it, it ebbs and flows. So sometimes you need to be more of this person and less of that person. So you know, if you're in relationships, sometimes work is more and it, it becomes a balance. And each of those entities are very, very important. And if one of those was missing, there'd be a, a big tilt. So yeah, there's the athletic trainer that does nothing but athletic training and kind of complains about the faculty and the researchers and the people that are teaching the stupid things. But, but that role is important and the educator is important and the researcher is important and the legislature is important and the lobbyist, um, it goes on and on. So I do think we have a little bit of us, of each of those in us. Some people just let the others shine more. And I'm a firm believer that one of the reasons we're so awesome as athletic trainers is because we we can move within those roles and still be an athletic trainer. So they're all important. We can't neglect any of them always. Great. 
Very fair. Uh, I think we got one more uh, question and then our lightning round. So yeah. Kevin, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, last hard hitting question. We promise. <laughs> um, so my biggest concern almost my whole career has just been, I love being an athletic trainer and I am going to call myself an athletic trainer until I stop working and probably even beyond that. Um, and it concerns me that I am one of two people that I graduated that, that were still athletic trainers. And I graduated a small class. I think it was 11 people, but that's a really bad retention rate in my eyes. Um, I'm concerned that we aren't going soon here. We're not going to see as many athletic trainers that are still working later in their career um, because they're going to have to move on to something else or they feel like they need to. Um, I think we all know that salary is an, an issue. I think we all know that we're worth more than what we usually get paid for most of us. What other things that do you see as limiting factors that people are leaving the profession? Um, what are we going to uh, do to address that so that hopefully in say 10 years or 25 years, that NATA membership is 75,000, right? Um, that's my biggest concern. Like, I mean, fair, right? How I'm asking this. Yeah. How do um, we, how do we get, how do we make people stay in the profession longer? And I think, uh, both of you talk about diversity a lot in the profession, right? Right. And it is a very important topic. Um, and I think, I know that that's a way to get more people to understand that you can be an athletic trainer. But my concern is that we're always going to have almost this diversity like barrier because people aren't staying athletic trainers. Right. And so there's always going to be this perception that it's, just mainly just like young people until they get married and have kids. And I mean, I guess go like run with it and we'll go, um, who last time. Is it my yeah, sure. So. Kathy, or, sorry, Katie, go. Um, great question. Great question. And so we're doing a couple of things on the home front. That's pretty awesome. Um, one of the things we started at the NATA this past year, so we're a year into it, is we joined something called the, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's the American Advisors for Allied Health Professions. And we just joined them and then we ended up on their council with them, their actual council. So we are at the table and what these this organization does is it provides information to all scholastic advisors about all the healthcare professions. So you're in high school and you don't know if you want to be a PA or an OT or a PT. Well, now athletic training is tossed into that mix. We need people to become a destination um, allied health, not a stepping stone. Um, the other thing that is happening that's pretty gosh darn awesome is the amount of things we can do. I mean, so I'm old school. And, and when I got out, I could do high school or collegiate and that was it. So um, fortunate in my career, I did pro and collegiate and never looked back. But now you can do anything. I mean, one of my grads works from seven to three, four days a week. He can pick his day off and he's an industry. And, and so he doesn't work nights. He doesn't work weekends. He's making short of just short of six figures, loves it. And it's all athletic training. So we are the smallest of our sister healthcare professionals. 
I mean, nursing has classes of 250. PAs have classes of 100. PTs. So we're going into their world and we have a class of 12, (laughs) right? Um, And we're getting our master's. So we're, we're small. So there's a lot of things that we can do that I can do that we can do moving forward to make it a destination profession, get your work-life balance, choose the athletic training setting that works best for you. And it still comes back to your contract. Because if you're taking a contract for $20,000, that's on you. And, and I hear people, they're just so, that you took that job. So it's a barge that's got to turn. You can't just turn it, but it's coming. And if everyone buys into it and we make this a destination um, degree, and this is where we're going, we're going to get there. I believe it firmly. Kathy. So there are so many things that contribute to salaries and work-life balance and all of those things. Um, And some of that basic economics is supply and demand. Um, And how do you, um, how do you make the salaries go up if we're flooded, which, which I don't believe we are across the country, we have shortages. So that's a part of it. But I think it's, it's also about, about what we've already talked about, the, our ability to negotiate contracts, our ability to advocate for the profession, our ability to show our value. There are so many tools on the NATA website, value models. The, for the secondary school, it's, um, they have position improvement plans where you can actually go in and, and use the resource to make your position better. But The bottom line is that it's about us improving it across the profession. And as as someone who's in an emerging setting right now, having come from collegiate and high school, is now in an emerging setting and was chair of the emerging settings committee, I can tell you that most of the people who are going into emerging settings have done that to improve their work-life balance. So can we improve our work-life balance? Absolutely. Can we improve our work-life balance without, first of all, I love that if you left a, a, your setting and went into emerging, you stayed in the profession. So one, how do, we, how do we educate our members that if you're unhappy with your salary or your work-life balance, there are other options for you here. So you don't have to lose the profession and you can do those things. And as we're continuing to get out into healthcare, getting into the, these emerging settings and other healthcare providers and other patients are getting to know us, love us, trust us, we're, more, we're valued more highly by some of those settings. Our salaries are going up and now we have competition in those high school jobs where, hey, I can go over here and work industry or I can go over here and work in a physician practice and get paid this you're going to have to match that or that's where I'm going. So use, again, contract negotiations, using those negotiating skills and really um, being savvy enough to have those conversations where I, I can go somewhere else. If, if you talk to most high school, high school athletic trainers people or teachers in high schools, who gets paid the most in high schools? What teachers? In, in, in my opinion, it's the business people and the science people. Well, why is that? Because if they went into the private sector, paid more. So let's get our salaries up for athletic trainers, even if it's outside of 
high school settings so that there's something that they can show competition. Rising tide raises all boats. I, I go back to that, to that same cliche. So as, and for those in high school and, and collegiate, how do we give you more tools to be able to collect the data to show your value? How many patients are you seeing? What kind of treatments are you doing? What's the dollar value to that treatment? So you can now go to your administrator and say, hey, I did X million dollars worth of healthcare. I, I need more help, one, to improve my work-life balance, or I need more money because I'm doing all of this healthcare. So I think it's really about communicating communicating what tools are there and helping people utilize those tools to, and using that data to drive our profession forward. It, it's there. We just, we, we are right on the edge. I'm telling you, we are right on the edge. It's just taking that extra push to make it happen. Awesome. Both of you. Jeremy, do we have one minute for a lightning round? All right. All right. Lightning round. Here we go. Got it. I've had, we've had all the questions on my phone because I can't read my own handwriting. So if I've been looking down, I've been looking at my phone because that's where the questions are. We're going to go, uh, one, one, we're going to go every round. We'll go Katie, Kathy, Jeremy. Ready? Okay. Popcorn or ice cream? Ice cream. Popcorn. Ice cream. Marvel or DC comic book characters? Marvel. DC. Marvel. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Friends or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Friends. Seinfeld. Dogs or cats? Dog. What? You have two cats, Katie. We don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want them. Okay. I have four dogs. 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 Team Edward or Team Jacob? Edward. Edward. I didn't watch those movies. Come on, Jeremy. Come on, Jeremy. <laughs> okay, just like I said, I remember listening to your episode, but I, I don't remember. I'm just going to say Edward because. Okay. <laughs> thin crust or thick crust pizza? Oh, Chicago, thick crust. Thick crust. Yeah, thick crust. All right. Chipotle or Qdoba? Chipotle. Chipotle. Uh, I've never been to Qdoba, but we have something down here called Freebird. So I would much rather Freebird than Chipotle. <laughs> but since, yeah, see, there you go. So I'm, I'm going to go with Chipotle just out of, because uh, I don't know what the other one is. Just a couple left. Hard shell or soft shell tacos? Soft shell. Soft shell. Soft shell. <laughs> Jeremy. Designated hitter or let the pitcher hit for themselves? Oh, let the pitcher hit. Let the pitcher hit. Pure baseball. Designated hitter. Oh, that's because right. you're in the National League, Jeremy. Last, last one. American League. Last one. What's your favorite candy? Reese's. The piece, the, the cups or the pieces? Oh, no, the cups. They got to be cups. I got that protein in the peanut butter. Right. Caramel <laughs> M&Ms. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I, I think... I think the ones that cause me the most trouble, like I can't stop eating them, are Reese's Pieces. So I'm going to go with Reese's Pieces too. Kathy, did you say the caramel M&M's? Caramel M&M's. crack. That's just, I can't it's stop crack. it. It is. It's crack. But I'm going with the peanut butter and the Reese's peanut butter cups for protein. I'm going to stick with that. 
And that is all she wrote. Is all she wrote. Thank you. You guys are great. All right, so this has been a great fun time with Chad and Kim from Canada ATC, just getting to know the candidates a little bit more, asking some different silly fun questions. Uh, if you want to get a hold of either Kathy or Katie, you can just find them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, or you can email them, or you can look in the NATA news. Basically, they're, they're everywhere right now. And then obviously, if you want to check out Chad and Kevin, you can just look Candid AT on any of the social medias or on, on your favorite podcast player. So check them out as well fun guys and they're really doing a lot to improve athletic training and to you know mentor younger people like they said so for jeremy chad kevin katie and kathy and the sports medicine broadcast that is a wrap thanks